Rockheads. This is Carl with an update on Music to Code By. On January 4th, 2016, I released the 11th Music to Code By track, Gold. That's right, there are now 11 25-minute tracks, including the original three. And you can download them all in one big zip file for less than 50 bucks at mtcb.poit.com. .NET Rocks, episode 1276, with guests Miguel de Acaza and Nat Friedman. Recorded Tuesday, March 29th, 2016. Hey, guess what? It's .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. We're at the Xamarin headquarters in San Francisco. That's right. There's a scoop that happened today at uh, Build. We had to wait a day to publish the show. Yeah, that's why the schedule is all delayed. Right. But I think it's going to be worth it. I think you're going to be very interested if you don't know already what's going on with Xamarin and Microsoft. But first, we have something to deal with here. It's called Better Know a Framework. Awesome. <laughs> What do you got? All right. Well, I don't know if you heard this story. It was from last week. Uh, how one developer just broke Node, oh, yeah. Babel, and thousands of projects in 11 lines of JavaScript. Yeah, I remember this story. It's quite the tale. Miguel, Nat, did you guys hear about this? We did. Yeah. And, um, it's crazy, huh? It's very interesting. Our, our society is built on this very thin crust layer. Yep. Right. So here's the story. Uh, programmers were left staring at broken builds and failed installations on Tuesday, and this is uh, from 23rd of March, uh, after someone toppled the Jenga tower of JavaScript a couple of <laughs> hours ago. Uh, and I can't, I can't pronounce the guy's name, but it's Azer or Azer, unpublished more than 250 of his modules from NPM, which is a popular package manager used by JavaScript projects to install dependencies. He yanked his source code because we're told one of the modules was called KIK, Kick? Kick, yeah. And that apparently attracted the attention of lawyers representing the instant messaging app of the same name. Uh, unfortunately, one of the dependencies was left pad. <laughs> left dash pad. Uh, it pads out the left hand side of strings with zeros or spaces and thousands of projects, including Node and Babel, relied on it. Oops. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite the story. It's worth a read. And it's just an interesting conversation about what it really means to live in this open source community and right. the relationship all the software has together. Right, exactly. And they did end up putting it back and making an exception. But uh, it just, just goes to show you that, uh, wow, weird things can happen. We are all dependent on each other. Yep. We are all living in an intertwined community. No two ways about it. It's a great story. And it happened for a legal reason, which yeah. is not even a technology reason. It's crazy. Yes. All right. Well, that's what I got. And that's, of course, at 1276.pwop.me. Who's talking to us, Richard? Hey, I grabbed a comment off of show 1219, the one we did with Lino Tadros. We were talking, you know, we talk to Lino every so often about just where he sees the mobile stack going because his guys at uh, uh, Falafel, they work on everything. 
you know, and he gets a lot of experience. That's right. Sort of playing with it. So it's great to check in with him every so often. And that last time we did it, it was just a few months ago. That was uh, back in November, 2015. And this particular comment caught my eye. I thought it was very relevant to today's conversation. It's from Clifford. He said, hi guys, yet another great show. And one that induced another lap of the lake with the dog to make sure I got to hear it all. Cause I started halfway around. Sorry to, to the dog. So he kept yeah. going. <laughs> right. Ah, the dog wanted to walk further. Anyway, as like other commentators below, I am a single person dev shop and looking at the prices of Xamarin. Yes, they are high and above what I can currently afford to pay to develop mm. an app to get big and be able to pay. So for me, it's sort of a chicken and the egg problem. Yeah. And it, you know, this is an interesting truth, right? You talk about these products, they, they, they make you so productive. They can pay for themselves, but not until they've paid for themselves. Right. So you sort of get into this trap here. This is an issue for me, and I'm kind of surprised that the Windows mobile devices are in the same situation. You mentioned iOS and Android, but not the Windows space. And I'm noticing a lot of enterprise clients I visit moving from BlackBerry and even from Apple over to Windows, both phone and tablet. So I see that this is where my future work is coming from in the line of business space, which I think is an interesting point that, the, you know, Windows phone has this role to play, but it seems to be showing up in the corporate space more than the consumer space. Yeah. Uh, anyway, great show and good to see Xamarin support us small guys with cheaper tools like Microsoft does with BizSpark. After all, I might think up the next big thing and then I'll need a ton of their tools hmm. or at least a .NET Rocks mug. Uh-huh. Well, I know there's one of these things I can fix and <laughs> maybe the other. So Clifford, thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. We blow our nose on him. That's nice. You like that one? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's my moment of zen, right? Mm-hmm. Um I'd like to let Miguel de Acaza and Nat Friedman introduce themselves because their bios have recently changed. Nat, who were you and who are you now? <laughs> well, I think I'm still roughly the same person, but um, <laughs> we just completed the acquisition by Microsoft of Xamarin about a week and a half ago. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, so for the four and a half years that Xamarin existed, I was the co-founder and CEO of the company. I think I'm technically still CEO because Xamarin is a wholly owned subsidiary of Microsoft now. But as we sort of complete the integration into Microsoft, uh, my new title and role is Corporate Vice President of Mobile Application Development. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. That's quite a title at Microsoft. It's a lot of words. Yeah. Yeah. And Miguel? And, well, I was co-founder and CTO of Xamarin, and I guess I... Still am. <laughs> At least for a while. I'm, I'm still am, but my, my new title is, I'm going to be reporting to Nat, so my, my role doesn't really change that much, uh, but my new title is going to be Distinguished Engineer nice. at Microsoft. Congratulations, man. You are a Distinguished Engineer, and you have been for a long time. Oh, thank you. It's an elite crew, the Distinguished Engineers. Well, four and a half years, and I remember us interviewing you right when Xamarin was being formed out of that chaos. Right. Was that the, on the tablet show? Uh, no, I think it was here on DNA. It was, not it was yeah. prior to the existence of the tablet show, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It was okay. just before all of that happened. It was before build, and here we are build again, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. I remember now. Yeah, and, and and I mean, it was a big deal. No two ways about it. And I, re- I was so excited for what you'd done to sort of pull these pieces together. Because, I mean, mono was the driver back in the day. So listen to this. Here's a story. It goes even further back that I interviewed you, Miguel, on .NET Rocks just about mono. And that was so early on. That was when Microsoft had a... This is a funny story. Microsoft ha- actually had a, a, a 
a mirror site for .NET Rocks at MSDN. Right. And interestingly enough, that show got pulled. It wouldn't be published on the Microsoft they site. They did not publish it because it was <laughs> Linux and Linux was oh. bad. I remember that we did the interview in a big show floor. But I don't yeah. remember the year no, or what no. it was. But I remember the interview. Um, it was one of the first. Dot and there was a lot. There was a lot of people around us during yeah. the interview. It was. It was not like this quiet room. It was. Right. It was in a big show floor. Yeah. You know, maybe a hundred people around, yeah. chatting. And so a lot has happened since then. If you hadn't started the Mono Project, you wouldn't be here. Well, not in this room, certainly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll still be alive, hopefully. <laughs> we'll be doing something else. You'd be yeah. in prison. I mean, Nat and myself, we met each other in 1997? Five. 95? 95. We met on IRC. Oh, on IRC in 1995. And we met in person for the first time in... July or August of 1997. Okay. And we became very good friends after that meeting. That meeting was, it was fairly short. It was cordial, but we really became sort of very good online friends after that event. And we've worked, I mean, we, we worked on open source projects uh, for a couple of years. And then we started our first company and we've been working essentially, except for one year that Nat took a year long vacation uh, together since then. Hmm. Okay, well, let's get to the news. Let's get to what was announced today at Build. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking about Clifford's concern about the Clifford's going to be pretty happy, I yeah. think. Well, I mean, first I'll say we built at Xamarin a, a really big and successful company. The company is almost 400 people at the time mm -hmm. of the acquisition. It's neat to be here. I've never been here before. Yeah, this is one of our... see the buzz in the place. It's got a good buzz. We actually have... We're in San Francisco on Pacific and Sansom, and, and we have this floor of this office, and we actually have a building across the street, too. Wow. Then Boston, London... Denmark, Sweden, and Argentina are our other offices, and we have people awesome. in 21 countries, about 15,000 customers worldwide. And, you know, at the time of the acquisition we were doing last year, we did many tens of millions of dollars in revenue. And so yep. it was definitely a successful enterprise. And mm -hmm. we did, you know, our sort of motto, what we tried to do was to be loved by developers and trusted by enterprises. Mm -hmm. And, you know, typically it was the enterprises paying the bills, and it was always a balance for us trying to walk that line of, of making Xamarin and, and the tech we were building and the tools we were building as available as possible to every developer because that's who we want to reach yep. while paying the bills you know, through the enterprises. And so now that we're part of Microsoft, the announcements today are all about taking a new approach to hitting that balance and one that I think is going to make the Cliffords of the world really happy. So we've got basically, I'll just hit them quickly and then we can go into the details. We've got basically four announcements that all add up to something really big. So announcement number one is that Xamarin will be bundled and included in Visual Studio going forward at no additional cost. And all all SKUs of Visual Studio down to Community Edition? That's right. And so if you're not familiar, Visual Studio Community Edition is widely available for free to individuals and to any company that's not an enterprise. So basically, if you've got fewer than 250 PCs, less than a million dollars in revenue, or you're doing open source, you can use Visual Studio or for education. free. There's or education or training. There's a couple other exceptions. So it's mm -hmm. very, very broadly available. And the, the goal is just to get the best tools in the world into the hands of as many developers as possible. Mm -hmm. So Xamarin will be included, the full stack. No limitations on the types of app you can build. No limitations on the size of apps. If you can get Visual Studio, you've got Xamarin. You can build great native apps using C Sharp and .NET. Nice. Awesome. So that's number one. That's number one. Fantastic. Yeah. So number two is that we're taking Mono, and Miguel will talk more about this, but I'll just, just give you a highlight. We're taking the Mono project, which Miguel has been developing since 2000, 
2001? 2001, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 2001, so 15 years of development. And it will be contributed to the .NET Foundation, which is an independent entity we jointly yeah. created with Microsoft a year mm-hmm. or so ago. Yeah, there was a chunk of Xamarin contributed right at the beginning there. That's right. Yeah. And we're going to be relicensing Mono, all of it, under the very permissive MIT license, meaning nice. that anyone can use Mono commercially in their apps, wow. bundle it into game engines, you know, ship the latest version. And that includes all the extensions that we made to Mono to target mobile devices like uh, ARM64 support and, wow. and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So very big game-changing thing for the industry there. Number three is that we're announcing today that we're open sourcing Xamarin and contributing Xamarin to the .NET Foundation as well. So wow. the libraries and tools that are used to build Xamarin apps uh, will all be open source. And we're hoping to build a great big community around this and to get lots of contributions and pull requests from people who want to improve Xamarin and make it better. That will also be under the MIT license. And we'll be, and uh, that one, we're, we're going to need a couple of weeks to clean it up and get it ready to push out the door. But <laughs> make it presentable. Yeah. <laughs> clean up some of the comments, that kind of thing. <laughs> but but we wanna, what we want to do really is have it in a state where people can contribute and really digest it easily. And, and so... Uh, Xamarin will be open source. And then finally, fourth announcement is that we have uh, Unity, JetBrains, and Red Hat are all joining the .NET Foundation and will be part of the technical steering group. Wow. And when you say Unity, you mean the game development platform? Yeah, Unity is the largest uh, mobile gaming engine in the world. They actually use .NET, and they use Mono, and they use Mono Develop. And so there's a lot of shared uh, technology between us and them. And uh, so to have them... JetBrains, who've just recently announced their rider, uh, you know, IDE, uh, and Red Hat, who have a deepening partnership with Microsoft around cloud and server-side activities with yeah. ASP.NET and so on. Uh, to have them all joining the .NET Foundation is, you know, incredible. So essentially, Xamarin and the ability to write iOS and Android apps is part of .NET now. Well, that's that's yeah. I guess you could put yeah, it that way. It's just part yeah. Of essentially, now .NET. Now you have a situation where the entire .NET uh, ecosystem is on a very liberal license, yeah. starting with Microsoft's .NET Core, so they're garbage collectors, at very advanced JIT compilers, they're very high-quality yeah. class libraries, are MIT-licensed, and so are our implementation, the Mono implementation, which runs on all kinds of assorted platforms, yes. like the PlayStation, Android devices, iOS devices, uh, and like Nat mentioned before, w- when we started Mono many years ago, we said, how can we develop open source, but at the same time pay the bills? Yeah. So we found the license that uh, achieved those two goals. And it wasn't perfect for everybody right? because we wanted to license and continue to fund the development. So it was under this LGPL license. Right. And we had a business where we licensed the runtime and mm-hmm. Xamarin continued that business of licensing the runtime. But now that we're at Microsoft and, 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 you know, the dynamics change, we're in a position to basically liberate the code for everybody to use. Wow. So game engines are obviously, uh, .NET has been very popular with Unity and, and all these game engines sure. that are coming on the market. Sure. But the way that I see it is let's put .NET everywhere. Everywhere. Not only, not only from the traditional perspective of .NET as an application server on the web or .NET as a, Runtime to powering your 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 desktop. mobile apps or your desktop apps, but I'm thinking, and this is what has been done very successfully as an embedded language or runtime for your application. Mm. So 
We're embedding it into certain engines. We'll talk more about that in the future. Okay. Uh, we're embedding it into design applications, so uh, paint applications, these uh, 2D graphics, nice. uh, 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 things for animation in studios and so yeah. on. So now you can, you can think of that as this universal runtime that you can use to power your apps. So in a way, .NET has now fulfilled the vision that Java set out to fulfill. Well, I think it's, it is a little bit more ambitious because it's not just putting the .NET runtime in every device. That was a dimension that has, uh, that was very well covered with Mono, yeah. right? We put, we put the .NET runtime everywhere. Right. But now we're not talking really about devices and operating system. We're now embedding into applications. Hmm. So yeah. make that your, just like JavaScript is used in browsers and things like that. Now we can put Remember it. Or VBA. Exactly. Right. It's like yeah. VBA. Think of it yeah. like a VBA for applications, but we want to embed it everywhere and mm. this is embeddable on every platform it's embeddable on every scenario that you can think of sure and with the thing that we showed earlier this morning with workbooks is not just is not just the ability of putting a .NET runtime there is giving you a full console like a web browser has a interactive console a full interactive console where you can explore your app you can add uh, you know, a safe sandbox for your apps where you can experiment, you can toy, developers can extend their existing apps, uh, learn how the app works internally and create their own script. So it, I think it goes beyond the original uh, idea of just putting .NET on every platform as, as a, just as a as an application. Yeah, .NET in engine. every app as well. Inside every app, yeah, exactly. So that's sort of the, ultra, the ultimate macro language now. So. Do, uh, do, yeah. you, do you see it going in the browsers anytime soon? Uh, the browser is at, n not in this mode, but I'll tell you in which mode. We're making a runtime target uh, this new system called WebAssembly. Right. And WebAssembly is an intermediate language suitable for uh, delivering low-level code right. to browsers, and the browsers will be able to execute them. Some of the browsers that we use every day are, are really interested in this WebAssembly yes. thing. So we will target WebAssembly because it's becoming a platform that many developers want to target. Right. But it's not. we're not going to take the role of JavaScript. Uh, that's a role that is very well fulfilled by JavaScript, and, and we think it's fine. Right. What we're going to do is we're going to put .NET in WebAssembly, and we're going to surface all the browser APIs are strongly typed. That's great. C-sharp type. So. And that's always been our approach is to take each device platform and each operating system that you want to target and expose all the native APIs on that platform to the developer, but in a single language. So whether you're targeting mobile devices, any mobile device, desktop devices, your code from client to server down to IoT devices can all be written in a single language with a single set of tools and can be a native app every place that it runs. Now you say a single language, you also include VB in that? Or where is well, VB uh, we, we should have said single runtime. We, 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 single runtime, yeah. Yes, yes, sorry about that. It's just, it's, we, it, instead of saying C-sharp, F-sharp, VB. No, no, you know, no, I understand. All, but, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're talking about IL. So, yeah, IL. So, so is there any limitation with VBNet in terms of any of the stuff that you guys announced today? No, I mean, uh, people already can build applications with VB. The, uh, the way that you have to do it is use portable class libraries. Sure. Yeah. Which once you build a portable class library, it runs everywhere, right? Literally. Yeah. It runs on, <laughs> on ev everywhere. And once we introduce the web assembly, you'll be able to put VB back in the browser. VB back in the browser. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So no other language, no other framework has what we have now in .NET. Mm -hmm. And we think that, you know, which is the ability to build great apps for everything, 
you know, from your native tooling. What we're trying to do here is, is, and what we think this really represents is sort of a renaissance for .NET. There's a, you know, injection of new energy here that we see with, you know, major companies getting involved in steering the direction of .NET at the .NET Foundation level to, you know, free and wide access to world-class tooling that we spent hundreds of millions of dollars to develop, you know, <laughs> over a really long period of time. And uh, so we think it's, you know, those those people who have been using .NET for a while just got a huge advantage, yeah. right? You know, you can take your skill set to new industries and new target platforms. I think our show might pick up a few hundred million more listeners. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't be a bad thing because <laughs> .NET really rocking these it's days. Really yeah, rocking rocks. Right that's, basically, that's the what we're trying to say. Nice. Right. Yeah. Uh, you, you talk about open sourcing the Xamarin uh, pieces. Is that going to include like the Visual Studio plugins? So the IDE plugins we're probably not going to open okay. source, but everything that links with your app, that ships with your app, mm-hmm. the runtime, the libraries, including Xamarin Forms, will be open sourced. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, our components we've we've uh, invested a lot in taking third party libraries and creating native. .NET bindings for those so that you can consume them from C Sharp or from VB or from F Sharp. Mm. And so all those will be open sourced as well. Um, but probably the advanced IDE tooling we're going to keep proprietary. Uh, we're not open sourcing Visual Studio. Right. And all those things right. are going to be part sure. of Visual Studio. Yeah, I, I think that's the interesting line is just figuring out where what lives where. I'm, I'm always appreciated the .NET framework or the .NET foundation from the perspective of as a corporate entity looking at open source with that certain level of trepidation. Here was an organization that said, don't worry, it's going to be fine. We're not dependent on any given organization anymore and so forth. You have this foundation that protects all that stuff. And so having the whole stack there just makes that that much easier to say, okay, that's fine. The plugins sort of sit off separately. They're, they're not the same thing. It's just tooling to get at that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about MonoDevelop? Uh, that's a good question. MonoDevelop is already open source. Right. Uh, our, our extensions that add Android and iOS pieces will remain proprietary. Mm-hmm. So the way that we look at it is the tools continue to be proprietary, and uh, but the SDKs are open source. Right. So You'll be able to use it with VS Code or, or VI, or yeah. I still use Emacs for that matter. <laughs> Somebody has to, Miguel. If you want to build, <laughs> if you want to build your iOS app with Xamarin from the command line, you can do that entirely with open source. Nice. Um, and so anyone who has their own IDE is free to integrate Xamarin support into it. We would love to see that I think happen. The way you said this was all of the bits that you compile into your app now are open source. As well as the tools you need to compile it. Right. It's just the sort of IDE integration, the Visual Studio extensions, Xamarin Studio extensions, that part's not being open sourced. That's and, right. and these components that we talked about, we, we invested a lot on those components because the .NET platform, while it is very comprehensive, uh, in particular in the mobile space, there were so many new frameworks that were created integrating with third-party services like sure. Facebook or Pinterest or scanners or uh, barcode readers and all these kinds of third-party add-ons. And I, I just want to stress the number. I mean, we built or bound 500 components wow. for wow. this stack. And each one of them gives you access to a particular vertical or, you know, or something general purpose. Right. Uh, and we've been solving a lot of very interesting problems that the .NET developer space faces. And all of this, we're open sourcing all of them. What does this mean for tool vendors? You know, the people who sponsor our show, Devo- Developer Express, Telerik, these guys. That, that is a very good question. So, in fact, we've 
falling short of doing any work on the, you know, in those kinds of controls. Well, uh, tell, but I mean, because we do have those, uh, there are commercial controls that exist. Sure. Exactly. Uh, so Telerik actually has built extensions, for example, just to pick Telerik as an example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. has built their own set of controls on top of Xamarin and on top of Xamarin Forms. Mm. And so mm-hmm. we've spoken with them about, you know, our plans and what we've announced here this week. And with the open sourcing, and they're thrilled because the, they the larger the base of Xamarin yeah. users, the bigger the market there is for their controls that they've built. Well, the bigger yeah. the, the .NET space gets, the more places we're going to need controls. Right. And, and what happens with these components is that there was really a long tail, right? So we 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 tried to fill gaps that our users had. And, and if Telerik had already great controls, for examples, for charting, there's no point focusing our efforts there. Sure. So we tried to fill the gaps that are the pain points that are Android and iOS and Mac users had. Right. And we filled those gaps. Uh, and in some cases, it's a long tail. So it doesn't matter to everybody, but it mattered to enough people that we needed to go and fill that particular gap. Sure. So in some cases we partnered mm-hmm. and we tried to work with the, we worked with database vendors, we worked with the control vendors and, uh, we, you know, we had very good partnerships over the years with sure. all these companies. And then we complemented it with bindings or software that we developed in house uh, for that. And we're going to open source those ones, the ones that we, that we developed. Sure. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is. It must be that happy time again. Yeah. Time to clean the walls. My mind is all over it. <laughs> I mean, a mess in these nice people's office. I know. This just blew all over the walls, my mind did. Uh, I got to take a nap. I don't know what to do. It's a lot to digest. It really is. It's It's a different different day than it was yesterday. It was. I totally agree. Oh, my God. Actually, it's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, do you know Swift, Objective-C, and Java? Can you use them in tools like Xcode and Android Studio? If so, awesome. And I just gotta, I just gotta laugh reading yeah. this because everything changes. But it's true. For everyone else, there's NativeScript, which is a cross-platform framework for building native iOS and Android apps using skills you already have. JavaScript or TypeScript, CSS, and a XAML-like XML markup. Build the mobile apps you've always wanted to build. Use the NativeScript CLI for free or use NativeScript inside of Visual Studio with a Telerik platform subscription, which enables you to build iOS apps without the glowing Apple. Get started for free at nativescript.org. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Matthew Elwood. Congratulations, Matthew. Golf clap for you, sir. And Matthew just won the Telerik DevCraft Collection, a big pile of awesome from Telerik. And if you don't know what we just did here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But you got to sign up to win. All right, guys, it's your turn. Nat, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? What don't you have? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Gee, I'll have to think about that. I just got an electric bicycle that I really like. Is nice. that, is that what you're thinking of? Oh, huh, sure. I think it's yeah. technology. Like that is technology. pretty old tech, cool technology. But, yeah. Because you're local here, right? I live in San Francisco, okay. yeah, and I use it to commute, and it just flattens the hills. And you still have to pedal, but yeah, but you get a little power boost on the because. Well, I actually, just, I saw town. him yesterday on that thing. It, uh, it looked very dangerous. It's fast. That that thing is very fast. What about you, Miguel? What would you buy with five grand? 
Yeah. <laughs> See, the nice thing about being CTO of a mobile company. It's not mobile devices you don't have. That's, That's right. right. You sure. have one of everything. I'd yeah. like to see your drawer of broken dreams, my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and remember, we supported everything under the sun oh, that yeah. came out. Well, the Xamarin Test Cloud. I think you guys bought up the last of a lot of well, scarce phones. That's true. We did, in fact. And we, we have customers who, as they expand into new markets, for example, they want to target Indian consumers sure. or Chinese consumers. They tell us you have to go get all the most popular Chinese or Indian devices. And so we yeah. had to you that, need these you know, Huawei phones. And well, the, the Xiaomi's and the yeah. you know one, and and we go after the uh, Micromax phones, and and so we've got now thousands of devices in our yeah. Xamarin Test Cloud device lab. And as we showed this morning, Pinterest is using Xamarin mm-hmm. to test their app wow. before it reaches 100 million users. Good for Slack them. is a customer. Yeah, 2.3 million daily active users. And incredible growth in that company. Amazing product, and they've. Uh, they're testing it and ensuring that it works in continuous integration through Xamarin Test Cloud. So that's a wonderful experience because literally every time the developer checks in to your mobile app, you can run a set of tests across a hundred, nice. a couple hundred phones and ensure you're not regressing anything in the mm-hmm. app. For an appropriate fee, of course. So there's, well, there's the phones do cost money. Yeah, yeah. the stuff costs money. But much less than you would spend building your own device. I totally agree. And better than the bro- drawer of broken dreams. Well, $5,000? Uh... Oh, I think that's easy. Uh, the one that I'm missing right now is a HoloLens. Ah, oh, uh, yes. Um, Even Miguel Diacazo wants a HoloLens. Well, they put me on Wave 4, which I think is good for you'll get in 2025. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I think they might make it faster than that, but let's hope. Well, they just said Wave 4. I'm like, oh. <sighs> I have a friend on Wave 1. I was like, I haven't gotten my invite yet. So I was like, all right. Then. <laughs> I think I would like a HoloLens. I, I played with one a few months ago. Um, for about an hour, they let me play this amazing video game. Wow, and, uh, I love it! Yeah, I yeah. tried. I tried the Hollow Portation demo. Oh, did you? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, they had this executive retreat and they had it there. It's pretty amazing, really. I mean, they had a room set up just the exact same way it was set up for for this guy's daughter in another location. And so you'd see you're jumping up onto the furniture and uh, wait a minute, you see the other person? Yeah, so that's exactly so. The way it works is. They have these sort of 3D capture cameras placed around the room so they can capture what's happening in the room from every angle. And then as you walk around an identical space that's located somewhere else, you see through the hollow lens what's happening in the other room. It's almost projected this is all, this is a video into, this. into your the location. location. It is how did I it's 3D Skype. Think of 3D yeah. how Skype, did essentially. I miss this? It's astonishing. Oh, my God. Yeah, and how is. many of these people can you have? Like, <laughs> Well, that's a good question. I'm yeah. not sure about that. But it's been one-on-one so far. One-on-one. And it's great. It's an amazing... It's astonishing. It's a real telepresence experience. Yeah. This is taking telepresence to where you think it should be, right? I think about some of those old Microsoft videos where it was almost like there's just a pane of glass between two groups of kids, and they're just pa- showing people things and passing information. It's like they're trying to make that come true, except better. That was still a sort of 2D pane of glass. This is, oh, no, they're all around you. You can walk around. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Everything's there. And do you do you see through them? Are they sort of? Uh, yes. Oh no, it's amazing. The thing is unbelievable. They're, they're like semi-transparent. These hollow. Yeah, but I, I have to say, you should really try these these long uh, these long games because uh, because it takes a little bit to get used to it, and once once you spend enough time with them, you fall in love with them. Wow. I gotta think that the Xamarin stack has a role to play in the future of Hololens. Well, Unity I mean, certainly, right? 
Yeah, definitely. Well, we think AR is a big area, and we'd love to participate in that. It's definitely an area we think we could sure. be helpful. Yeah, it's got it's got obviously more to come in that space, but you know, it's exciting to have you guys all together. I was also I've been watching the dot net the battle of the dot net core. Like, I don't envy anybody picking up what what those guys need to do right now to build an open source version of dot net. Mm. That's a lot of code. Some of it old. I mean, it's been around 15 plus years and very Windows dependent. Yeah. To actually, I mean, this is a battle you fought for yeah. 15 years. So, I mean, part of me think this, this deal's got to be good for that team. It's like, oh boy, we've got the guys who've been doing it forever <laughs> working well, closely done, with us now. They've done a very good job. I have to say the, the work that that team has done is, is amazing. It's just a lot. I mean, a lot of code. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. But they're, they're a good team. They're a very good team and uh, they're doing an amazing job. In fact, we've, uh, what we've done in Mono for the past year and a half since they open sourced is we've replaced, I think that about, uh, right now we've replaced about 40% of all Monocode. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the course, probably more like 70% of Monocode with uh, .NET reference source code. Interesting. And now we started to replace some of the Monocode with CoreFX code. So there's a little bit of a difference between those two, but we're very actively merging these two um, these two projects, and essentially we're you know we're very pragmatic. We've thrown a lot of our code away. It's like which one is better? And we picked the better one. And Mono Game falls under that. Uh, well, Mono Game Mono Game is a brand. Uh, it's a brand, and it origin it certainly originated with the Mono Project, but it's actually a completely separate project. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, we know. We, and we spoke. Uh, they're also it's an amazing team. Uh, people that are very passionate about games. The mono game uh, team sadly doesn't have a a place to take code from, right? Mono was an implementation of .NET. They open source .NET. We take code from .NET, right? right? Or we merge them together. Right. Mono game doesn't have XNA was never open source, so right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, so they mono game is a from the ground up. Uh, so it's like mono, mm-hmm. but without any place to take code right. from it. so well and, and they've be, they become the replacement for xna we saw the news and we've got a show coming up uh of, with the mono game folks talking about mono game running on the xbox one which i think was the that's the big piece for those folks it's just it's interesting to see how much energy there is in getting folks who love c sharp to run in all these platforms mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and we have this new framework called urho which is an open source engine what'd uh, you call me urho Oh no, no, I didn't call Sorry. you. It's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's an open source engine for three D graphics. It's a game engine, very very powerful, and we now have uh, .NET bindings for it. They're very wow. comprehensive, very nice, and it's integrated very nicely with our product. So hmm. it's a pickle, right? Uh, a pickle nuget. Okay. So you consume this pickle nuget in your application, and you can use it on Android, iOS, Windows, Mac, anything. Uh, do so, we need this many 3D engines? I mean, I think about, like, I, I feel like we're all feeling around for the same problem. Like, the, the Unity 3D guys have an approach that I think is a very designer-oriented approach. Yes. The, the mono game folks. Um, I'm looking at Urho Sharp now, uh, you know. Mm. That. They, they try to solve different problems. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit like, uh, you know, it's a little bit like, do we need XML and JSON and uh, protocol buffers and HTTP. Sure. And they all, you end up using them in a spectrum, but it really depends. I mean, some things are XML, they're not HTTP, but sometimes they come together. 
Right. 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 So uh, they're in that spectrum. Right. So you do you do need for different tool for different tasks, you need different tools. Yeah. So there are some burning questions that are still lurking out there. And one of them is uh, what is the relationship now? And what first of all, I don't know if you can just address this. What happens to universal apps at Microsoft and where does Xamarin Forms fit into all of this? Well, universal uh, apps are the future for building applications that leverage the deep, the, 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 that surface the most capabilities of the Windows hardware to C Sharp developers, right? And our approach at Xamarin has been not to try to build a uh, uh, write ones run anywhere API because every device is unique. And, yeah. and we've uh, both Android and iOS and Windows, they all have opinionated ways of doing things or models in which you do things. Like Android has uh, activities, iOS has view controllers, and they're very different models, right? Yeah. Uh, so we surface those things so the developers can take advantage of the native idioms, uh, the native uh, uh, APIs, the native things that the device surfaces, right? Like like 3D Touch on yeah. uh, on iOS. So UWP is the lingua franca of the Windows platform. But it's still just the Windows platform. Well, it's the lingua franca of the Windows platform and Xbox and all these things. But sure. that's what they did. Their APIs are designed to, uh, to, to make the Windows platform shine. So you know what I'm asking, right? I'm, not, I'm asking no. if, uh, if Xamarin is now part of the is 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 the goal for Xamarin to be part of the universal app? Well, today you can use Xamarin to build the iOS and the Android heads on your app and use UWP to build the Windows head mm -hmm. on your app. And so in that sense, yes, it's part of the same universe. And the apps, you know, get to be UW, real true UWP apps, not, as Miguel said, write once, run anywhere, sort of lowest common denominator apps. But you're not going to write but XAML. But they're native on iOS and Android as well. But you're not going to write real XAML and that the same XAML for Windows Phone as you would for Android and iOS. Well, well because there's no, there's no XAML for Android and iOS. Now, that said, you might be thinking of Xamarin Forms. I am, of course. And Xamarin Forms, Xamarin Forms is not a full, is not a full uh, API. It's, it's not an API that covers everything that the device can do. Right. It's aimed at a very particular set of problems, right. which is forms. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and, and a couple of which, more things. Which is a good problem to tackle, man. We need it. Sure. Right. So sometimes you sometimes you can get away with a low fidelity piece of API. For example, login, password, reset. Yep. Sure. That's all you need, right? Yeah. Or you know, you need data to do entry. data entry. Right. Right. And sometimes you need an experience that is very particular, like uh, you're, uh, an app for ordering food. You want, you're going to spend a lot of time on designing the animations, the interactions, the right. flipping, the, all these things. So you're going to go native. But for your login form, your settings, uh, you enter your delivery address, your credit card, you don't need the credit card to bounce a little bit or go 3D on the, on the, on the, you know, maybe you do, but, <laughs> but they sure. serve different markets. So sure. Xamarin Forms is for the low fidelity part of your application mm -hmm. and the other parts are the high fidelity parts of your and, application. And can you mix Xamarin you Forms can mix with Xamarin Native? Yeah, in fact, you can. And pretty in much the, every Xamarin app in the same uses app. Yes, absolutely. And the same screen even. So pretty much every app that uses Xamarin Forms also uses native APIs. So sure. remember, we started Xamarin without Xamarin Forms. It was something we added a year or two ago because we had you know people who were developing some line of business enterprise apps mm -hmm. and they wanted to be able to share some UI code between devices for some of these Forms types of applications like mm -hmm. Miguel mentioned. And so 
we designed it specifically not to step away from our native message or not to try to be a right once run anywhere solution, but to allow you to mix and match calls to the Xamarin Forms APIs with calls to native APIs. And, and you do that through what's called a custom renderer. Yeah. And, and basically there's, you know, we've done some surveys of people who use Xamarin Forms and they all write at least a couple of custom renderers. Right. So, you know, if you want to build a great app, you have to use native APIs. That's always been our. Sure. And, you know, and that's, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, maybe it was mixed matched um, expectations from the public that saw Xamarin Forms as that right once run anywhere thing. And then they realized that, oh, I got to be doing all these custom renders. I might as well use the Xcode. It really depends on what kind of app you're building. Um, and some apps, I mean, I can show you some Xamarin Form apps that look incredible and are pure Xamarin Forms, no native code at all, right? Wow. Um, but it takes. Uh, it depends on what the requirements are. Sometimes sure. you really need to get to the to the slightest details on the map APIs, and you need to put custom embedded things in the map, and you need a particular animation. So in those cases, you do need to do those things. Uh, and in the other forms, it's fine. And the community has built uh, hundreds of plugins that do the native render for you. So mm -hmm. technically, there is a native render there. You just don't. You see didn't it. have to write it yourself. Exactly. So uh, four months ago, yeah, it was November. Yeah, we did a show with Lino Tadros. He said he saw a blog post by you that says uh, something to the effect of Xamarin Forms is for prototyping only. Don't use it for production apps. I don't think I said that. I... That doesn't sound like what we would have wanted to say. Yeah, it doesn't sound like that's what you're saying now either. No, no it's, uh... that's, that's never been the message. It is. Now, there are some people who use Xamarin Forms to quickly sort of build a skeleton app, yes. get a prototype done, sure. and, and to get something running quickly because it's very fast and easy, and yes. you get it running on every device. But then, you know, if you want a really high-quality experience, you're going to go back and replace some of those screens with, you know, much more tuned, polished, native screens. So yeah. I don't know what the context of this was, but, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of nuance in this. Uh, I personally like very much the native APIs, right. but... Let's be honest, if I have to ship something in two platforms and you tell me, well, let's get a prototype up and running in a week, there's no way I'm going to build one for Android and one for iOS. I just yeah, don't have the time, time, the sweat, or, right. the, or the desire. And I still get native UI experiences on both with forms. Sure. Uh, or even UWP, because Xamarin Forms also targets UWP. So I don't remember the context. All of right. Well, you know, the, the important thing is that it doesn't sound like you guys are giving up or, or, or shying away from continuing building uh well it's a continuum Xamarin right it's, it's a continuum for first uh, i i can show you for example uh uh james montemagno apps he he loves xamarin forms and yeah. knows xamarin forms left and He's right great. so when he builds an app with xamarin forms it's like you can't tell that it, it lacks a little bit of polish somewhere mm -hmm. it's just amazing mm -hmm. right yeah. if i build an app i'm going to be able to polish it faster with native apis than i can with forms sure um, so it's maybe a and matter of experience. Well, let me ask the question this way then. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's an unreasonable expectation that there are developers out there who are not professional mobile developers, so mainstream developers, who are now getting this mobile requirement put on them and are looking for a right once run everywhere solution? Like, is that just, are they dreaming that it's no. never going to be like no, that? No, you can do it with Xamarin Forms. I mean, you can definitely to do a degree. it with I mean, with a limitation in UIs. And, and I don't think that they're, no, because here's what you do. You build your app with Xamarin Forms, and then the, your designer team comes in and says, you know what? We need this thing that when you touch it, it bends a little bit like the Apple TV. Right. And when you touch it on this side, it needs to bend on the other side. Like, well, we can't do that with Forms. Tell right. you what. Let me put a native renderer here. So in this particular case, you just add your native UI view controller. Right. 
right? You add it to your form and you code your native thing with that particular effect for Apple. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I think and, and, and now, if you want to build a great app that works on a four inch screen and also is a great app on a 27 inch screen, yeah. you're well, going to have to do some totally device right. specific work. Well, this, and you've got the same problem with just, it doesn't matter what app. technology yeah. you use to do it. If one interaction mechanism is a mouse and the other interaction mechanism is a finger. They've got to be different. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really focused on the, the folks we hear from who are saying, my boss is now telling me this app needs to show up on iOS and Android devices. And there are. I don't want to write them twice. And there Absolutely. are things, you know, there are frameworks to do this in JavaScript, HTML, CSS that do, that are right ones. They're pretty good. They're yeah. pretty good. Yeah. As long as it's Chrome. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> well, if, if they need to, if they want to get bootstrap very quickly, forms is, is, is a way to, to yeah. their heart. Yeah. Especially if they have XAML experience. Well, and they get their, and they get to live in C sharp where they want to be. Absolutely. So what does Apple think of all this? <laughs> Do you know? Do you have a sense of what they, uh, well, I mean, our focus has always been, as we've been saying, on helping people build great apps for each device. And we love the iOS devices. And Miguel's wearing an Apple Watch. And, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> so, you know, we, we want to build beautiful apps for those devices. And I think so in that, in that area, we have a shared interest with Apple. And Apple's got several customer case studies on their website of apps that were built with Xamarin. Nice. And so, so they like, you guys have a good relationship with Apple. Well, it's uh, I I think so. Yes, yeah. yes, we do. I, I mean, guess the uh, question is, how much relationship do you need to have with Apple doing what you're doing? Well, it's like when they asked, "What is your relationship with Microsoft?" years ago, right? Right. And I used to say, "Well, I have hundreds of friends at Microsoft. I have great relationships with, but you know, the yeah. guy in uh, you know, the guy in the Waltham office doesn't like me because I, you know, I drive a red car. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> the relationship with the guy that doesn't like my cars is different from the hundred people that you're right. So sure. I, you know, talking about Fair a corporation enough. having a relationship is we difficult. have good relationships with lots. Of yeah, but I, and I got to think one one of your challenges when you every time you talk about like when iOS gets revved, that's a big deal for you guys. It there's is a lot of there's a lot of developers counting on the fact that their app works. Yeah, and that's why since iOS five, we've had a consistent track record of twenty four hour delivery time with wow. new APIs. In fact, we just yeah. released one last week for iOS nine three. So yeah. iOS nine three just huh. came out. There it was. Support and they went boom. Well, and it was one of the things I noticed very early on, I thought was wildly important, was the the Android side of this. You guys do a stunningly good job of absorbing that Android variation because they're so all over the map, you know, right down to which carrier was that device being, you know, behaves differently because it's on that carrier than this carrier. Yeah. Android has always been challenging, but uh, newer versions of Android. Not only are newer versions of Android very sophisticated and very good, but Google has retroactively fixed problems with Android with this thing called Google Play Services. Mm-hmm. So essentially, um, essentially, many of the new APIs that you want to use are not part of the core OS. They're part of an add-on that they can update on their own. So they've gotten away from... I mean, yeah. Microsoft has, has done this as well. Gotten away from letting the carriers control the... Exactly. The, so the, the yeah. firmware. So the it, they have addressed many of the big pain points. It's not perfect yet, but it's getting there. And I think Android development is getting better every day. Well, because it couldn't get worse. <laughs> uh, well, it's nice to see some of the really old, you know, Froyo and stuff, those old cranky versions of Android finally going away. That we have, you know, we don't have to worry about going in America. Certainly, is the case. yeah, that's an interesting point, right? It depends uh, on where you are. It's I, how much of your time now do you, are you thinking outside of North America and Western Europe, like the, the the more growth communities for phones? Well, from an engineering perspective, 
it's always present because yeah. uh, because we have customers on that and and we have users that run on those devices. So mm-hmm. for us, it's a matter. I mean, those devices are already supported, so there's not yeah. much that we need to. I mean, we just have to keep from breaking. Right. right. Well, and it, you expand the test cloud. Make sure those te- those devices are tested. Yes. I presume you guys use test cloud for a testing lot. your own product. We use it. We use it a lot. Yeah. For example, yeah. I mean, every time we introduce a new feature and we're unsure what's going on, we request some hours in test cloud and run a battery of and, tests. And nothing has changed in terms of the services and the fees and all that stuff for test cloud, right? That stays. That's staying where it is. Completely where it is. Yep. Which is fine. It's great. Yeah. Necessary. That's totally necessary. I mean, I'd be, um, just as an MSDN subscriber, it'd be kind of nice if my MSDN included test cloud hours. But that would be cool. That would be cool. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be cool. Miguel, isn't it the ultimate irony that, uh, you know, when Don Box sang that song to you and gave you the rose and Michelle, the Miguel mm-hmm. to the, to song. the tune of Michelle, yeah, yeah. that, uh, you know, it turns out that, uh, well, there you are. Yeah, it was a... Uh, you both distinguished it was a very. It was a very long job interview. It was a long job interview. <laughs> <laughs> One of the longest job interviews of all time. That uh, video made the rounds when the announcement came out. It yeah. reappeared on Twitter That's for a right. while. I think yeah. most people had not... It's, of course, it's a terrible quality video because yeah. it's from like 2004. Yeah. Like who had a video camera well, then? Well, we just... We, we and Microsoft... <laughs> me and Microsoft were just not aligned back at that time yeah that's that right. time frame and now we're aligned satya is uh amazing uh, he's revolutionized this and scott has always been uh, spiritually we've always been very aligned with him mm-hmm. because he's a web guy so he's always he always was a heterogeneous now scott there's a lot of scott's guy. at microsoft which oh scott got three which scott got three. three yeah well i'm, I'm going top down you know so if you're <laughs> okay. sorting down the first right. scott you, you okay, find yeah, the first yeah, scott yeah. you find in your first match <laughs> not, not one of the lesser scott's yeah. <laughs> uh, all right so, they, so <laughs> self-named, self-named. Yeah, they call themselves that. Yeah. So now we're aligned, and, and now it's uh, you know it's a pleasure to be working uh, under Nat and under Scott. That's great. That's really exciting. What you guys have done is nothing short of miraculous, and uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Oh, thank it's you guys. Made, made our lives better. No two ways about it. Awesome. Everybody's. Thanks lives for having better. us. Oh, so glad to be here. You keep in touch with us, all right? And anything new you want well, to announce? We'll be back just, when, uh, uh, as soon as we get 10x more uh, .NET uh, users. Right? There you go. Yeah, see what yeah. that looks like. All right. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time, dear listener, on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a, a